Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your Friday edition of the podcast. As you know, I notified you guys yesterday I'm out on the move. This is a time when I'm on vacation, so I wanted to pre-record some podcasts. So if anything has come out from Thursday's joint practice session, I do not have any insights on that, nor will I have any insights on Friday when I share my Saturday episode with you guys, which is the Know Your Foe episode with Dan Shiner of the Blue Wire Giants podcast. So, you know, I'm sorry. The next one you'll get is Sunday. I'll have some, uh, you know, whatever happens, good or bad, I'll have insights on that and the game when I record Sunday night uh, on Destination down there in North Carolina. So, anyway, this is a re- pre recorded podcast. I would not suggest to anybody out there to ever record three podcasts in a short evening like I am right now. It's like 2.41 in the morning. I'm trying to get these things posted and saved and cut up and ready to go for you guys so when I leave we don't skip a beat but it is exhausting I'm tired I had a great conversation though here with Jordan Zerm I will give you a note ahead of time this is a pessimistic podcast we are looking at the realm of outcomes where things go wrong all offseason we talk about where things go right what about if certain things go wrong kind of looking at which ones would be way worse than others if you're you're not into that you're a positivity only person this is the wrong podcast for you but I think it's a really interesting look at the other side of things from what everybody seems to talk about which is always optimism which is what i have it's what this podcast is built on but there are sometimes we have to look at the realm of the opposite outcome because there is that outcome as a possibility in the range of what could happen with an nfl football season which can be unpredictable so not going to waste any time let's get over to our conversation with the checkdowns jordan zerm our usual guest on this podcast big fan of jordan's let's get over to that interview now Okay, guys, welcoming in somebody we all know, a regular to this show, and I think one of the the better NFL minds I have conversations with from a from a league wide perspective. Jordan Zerm, how are you, my friend? Jake, I'm good, man. It is uh, it's it's good to talk to you as always. It is wild that the Browns are about to enter into their second preseason game already, and the season is going to be here uh, very very quickly. It doesn't it doesn't feel to me that it ended all that long ago. Partially because you know they were in the playoffs for the first time in a very long time, but uh, it's um, yeah, man, it's it's always just wild to me how quickly the season sort of sneaks up on you. It does. You go through that cycle of you're in the summer and you you want to enjoy the summer, and uh, but you can't stop thinking about football. All your at least for me, all my conversations are centered around. No matter where I go, I took a camping trip with some people to Michigan, and I didn't know some of the people. I knew the guy who organized it, and he's like, "Hey, come with us." And I, I, I and shout out to Andy and Doug and all of those guys. But like, the, you know, you'll get along with them because you can talk Browns. And I'm like, so it's just like all the all the conversations I talk about are are, are Browns, you know, are they're it's just like the center of my focus. And all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, summer's over and it's here. So, um, talk talk to me real quick, Jordan. What's going on for this year with you? Where you're at? What's you, you know your coverage? All of that stuff. Yeah, man. Well, um, third season with the checkdown, which is kind of wild. This, um, you know, I moved out to LA for this job uh, over two years ago. Now it's uh, again talk about like time just moving at a at a pace that seems uh, quicker than it should. But yeah, we will um, 
we'll be doing our thing again. So if you're not following the checkdown on both Twitter and Instagram, um, would highly recommend you do so. Um, there will there will be plenty of Browns clips as uh, going up on there as long as the Browns kind of hold up their end of the bargain of being a good football team, which we will talk about <laughs> shortly, and which I think they will. Um, but yeah, we got some fun stuff planned. Um, you know, the Super Bowl is, is in LA um, this season, which makes it like easier for us to be able to do some on-site stuff, which should be really fun after you know last season where we couldn't go to any games and we, we didn't have nearly as many people, you know, doing stuff at games and stuff. So the content was a little scaled back. So looking forward to kind of getting back to normal um, with that this season. So it should be really fun. So yeah, follow us over at the check down um, as we, uh, as we kind of gear up for the season. Yeah. Great content. You guys point out some great things from every game. I always make sure to follow along and you guys should too. I'm sure most of you do, you know, there's only so many places to go that, that highlight and give you clips and different, different angles on the, not just Cleveland games, but league games around the league, all that stuff. So like Jordan said, make sure you follow him. I've, I talked to Jordan off air. I'm like, man, I don't know what we're going to talk about. As you guys know, I'm traveling. I'm on vacation. This is pre-recorded. Um, I didn't really know. I'm like, we well, can just have a Browns conversation. But what I thought of in the midst of Jordan just talking is this idea of having a pessimistic podcast. You like that little alliteration? Uh, hey, uh, a little double P, like it. I like it. So what we're thinking, what my thought is, everybody talks on every single Browns podcast about everything that can go right and how they're better and, and, and all of those things, which are fun. We've illuminated them on every platform I've been on. I'm sure you have, Jordan, when you visited not only this pod but other pods. What does it look like if it goes wrong? So I, I was having a conversation. I was recording with uh, another Blue Wire podcast host, uh, Dan Shiner, who coaches – he doesn't coach anybody. He just talks about the Giants, which is a great thing for him. But we talked about Giants-Browns, and in the midst of that conversation, I started thinking about you know, other people's opinions about the Browns. And, and we kind of, as, as people who follow them, cover, or a fan of the team, you, you, you try to avoid or block out the negative, right? Because you don't, A, want to be that person, and B, it's hard to, from my perspective and my coverage, it's hard to be the negative guy. I think there are some people in this market who cover that extremely well. But there's there's a, there's a niche for being positive, and and really I try to spend things in my life as positively as I possibly can all the time. So it's it's a na- it's a first nature thing for me, you know, to 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 just be positive about this team as much as I can. But when you start looking at so many big decisions coming up on not just personnel, but where the direction they're going to go from a team building standpoint, you you start to think about how this team could look completely different in a year, and. If you're going to start going down that road, what 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 goes sideways? I guess I guess the way we frame this, Jordan, is what what are the worst possible outcomes for this? Would the worst possible outcome from you be a Baker Mayfield down year? I mean, I think it has to be right. Like if he comes out and has a pretty similar season to 2019, maybe throws a couple more touchdowns, so he's like at the 26 touchdowns, but maybe he again finds himself in situations where he has to throw it all the time and he has about like a 26 and 18 or something like that is is baker being a middling average quarterback the worst possible outcome to this because all of the conversations that are being driven this offseason are he's going to be better we think he's trending up all the way the year ended i do too i really do i'm not just i'm not just playing the game i do too but there's an outcome here right where he Maybe doesn't, and then the Browns might be in a boatload of decision trouble if that happens. Yeah, that was actually, you know, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is like, you know, you always have to start with the quarterback because um, for as much as the Browns have added to their roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like 
it is going to come down as it always does with, with teams that have a lot of talent, um, you know, to quarterback play. And yeah, so I think you're a hundred percent spot on. Like if I'm with you, like, I, I think we both feel the same about Baker. I think we really like where he's at. I think having uh, an actual training camp and a preseason um, and another year, like in person <laughs> with Stefanski and this offense is going to do absolute wonders for him. And he should be able to build a, another really good year on, on top of last season. But you know, the questions about Baker are, you know, haven't gone away completely because there's still going to be the things that, um, you know, he's he's struggled with since he's been a Cleveland Brown. And even when he was at Oklahoma that like are still there, it's just a matter of um, limiting and uh, limiting, putting him in those positions um, and then himself limiting him into you know, whether it's like leaving the pocket early or as we've seen, you know, not reading the coverage correctly and, and throwing a pick because he's locked onto a receiver and he's throwing it no matter what. Like some of the stuff that we saw early um, in the season last year before the Browns really got on a roll um, was some of the same stuff that was happening in, in 2019. And yeah, I think like we all feel and um, at least the Browns front office in a way feels that like you know, the, the extension hasn't happened yet. And, um, you know, we'll, those are conversations that are ongoing and it, it seems like that's probably going to happen now at the end of the season, or it's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen, you know, before the season gets started. But I think everybody kind of feels like, okay, if Baker plays his ass off and this team makes a deep playoff run, like, you know, you're moving forward with him and, and it's a no brainer. And it's like, if, if the worst case scenario happens where he completely regresses that, yeah, like you said, like either back to 2019 or like, sure, he throws a couple of more touchdowns, but he's, he's really hurting the offense more than he's helping it. Um, then, yeah, then you have to, then you get into this conversation where, you know, we were kind of having these conversations at the beginning of last year, especially after he really struggled in that game against Pittsburgh, that initial one where it was like, well, what do you do if you decide that Baker actually isn't the guy you want to give a boatload of money to in that second contract? And um, then you have to start looking around and then the options become much less desirable because obviously, you know, this year's draft was sort of, stocked with QBs and um, I'm not super up to date on like what these next coming drafts are going to look like in terms of quarterbacks. But I don't think like, even if Baker really super struggles, like I, I still think the Browns have enough talent where like, they're not going to be getting a, a top 10 draft pick. So it's like, then you, your options become very, very limited um, for what you want to do. If you, you know, if Baker struggles and you're like, man, like this dude is just up and down and he, maybe he's never going to kind of even out and become just this, you know, top 10 QB and we'll, and we'll ride that into the future. So hundred percent, I think worst case scenario for the Browns is like Baker really struggles and kind of reverts back to some of his worst habits and, and they don't make the sort of playoff run that you're, you're kind of expecting from them because then, yeah, a lot of those questions that we were asking kind of beginning of last season are going to start to pop up again. I would say you're right that, if he if he has a year where I think what the Browns want, in my opinion, is clarity one way or the other. And if he yep. just has a middling year, then it becomes the really challenging decision where the where the where the tag could come into play, some of those things. So what they're seeking is a ton of clarity, obviously. And then it's like the worst possible outcome for the Browns this year is that he is not who we think he's going to be. And maybe he's bad. And yeah, they get some clarity, 
but then it's like, okay, you have him for the fifth year, so then he's in limbo. Are you going to go sign real competition? Are you going to draft somebody? I'm not trying to make everyone's Friday terrible here, but these are like <laughs> these are realistic outcomes that, that could happen in an NFL season. And again, Jordan and I are not saying they're going to happen. We're not predicting they're going to happen. But in any sort of situation, you have to – any evaluation process, you have to look at what could happen. And if the Browns season goes nine and – what is it now? Eight and – Gosh, this is hard. Uh, nine and eight, they so can be weird, nine, so. nine and eight, eight nine, and like Baker yeah. struggles, and they still have enough talent to maybe overcome, maybe sneak in the playoffs, maybe not. Then you're picking like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, and it's like, oh my goodness. So that would be a uh, looking back at the end of the year, saying, man, that is the the outcome that we could really not afford to be back to quarterback one. Uh, square one with that situation and also having committed to him for a fifth year then it goes into yep. like the mitch trubisky territory right where it's like it's just and, and i don't actually i don't think mitch got picked up did he i don't think he did no um, they did not pick his up but even like when you are a team and even if they do pick you know they, they picked up the option but even if like they start making overtures where they're like well we're not really sure what the future holds because for mitch it was obviously very uncomfortable. Like the team was like, we're not picking up your option. And then you as, as a quarterback are like, okay, they, um, they are either unsure if I'm the future or they know that like, as the, as the bears did that, like, this is it. Um, like we, you know, this is not working out for Baker because the fifth option is picked up. It's not exactly that, but if he were to struggle and then the team's kind of, you know, those extension talks kind of cool, and then, yeah, you get into playing the franchise tag game, which like I just is one of those things that is like has become such a negative, I think, in, in the last like, I don't know, four or five years where players just hate it. And like it just it's not really a vote of confidence. It's just more of like, well, we don't want to lose you yet, but we don't want to give you an extension because we're still unsure. But so we're just going to tag you. And, you know, it just becomes a real source of tension between players and teams. Um, and you don't really want to get into that game with your quarterback, um, especially somebody like. Especially somebody like Baker, who you know is coming off a year where, yeah, they like they won a playoff game, you know, like so he's got a little bit in his in his bag of of leverage now that kind of goes out the window if he struggles. But like, yeah, you just don't want to get into that situation because there's going to be an awkwardness about it, um, as opposed to where we are now, where like it feels pretty good. And I think any other offensive position, I think injuries could derail some things, as with any position group in any any team in the NFL, but. You know, if if Jarvis declines or Odell declines, which again is possible, they don't have the years you're expecting. There are ways to get out of that and find new receivers. It would suck. You obviously are really pulling for Odell and Jarvis to continue to do what they do, and, and Odell to come back and do his thing. But there's no huge long-term ramifications of that issue, right? In most positions, I think the only other position, Jordan, in my mind, if the guy took a major step back, would really bother me would be Jedrick Wills. I think everybody sure. thinks they saw the pass protection stuff was good, the run game, it's a, a pretty consistent narrative all offseason, and myself included, by repetition with a system that was completely different from what he did at, at Alabama, it could you know, put him in a situation where he can thrive because he gets more reps in wide zone. He works angles. He works knowing how defenders move and operate against that scheme. So I think that would be the only other position. Because, like, Jack Conklin's going to be here, but Jack's even Jack declines a little bit. He's going to be fine. Teller doesn't have long-term ramifications yet. And then there's guys like Michael Dunn who are in that mix who could back him up. I think the only position, like I said, that would really bother me because it would have 
some long-term impact on a guy who's here for a minimum of four years right now would be Jed. Is there anybody else I'm missing? Because I just don't see, like Nick and Kareem, I just don't see them taking, I guess it would be if Nick just like laid an egg and he just became a completely different back, but it's so hard to see that happening it's, right now. Yeah. I, th- I think the only way like, you know, is with Nick is like, if he gets hurt again and misses a significant amount of time and then you're like, damn, you know, like, cause yeah. he, he really, he really is. Um, he's just such a weapon that even a team, you know, the, even a team like the Browns that maybe we'll see a, be a little bit more pass heavy when Odell is back and they've just they've changed things a little bit. But, you know, like Stefanski is going to continue to feed um, Nick Chubb and they'll and they'll find ways to get those guys involved. I think, you know, for me, Jake, it is I think a lot of these other guys, it is kind of low risk if there are some down years. But like, you know, I think something we went back and forth uh, on Twitter a little bit about Greedy Williams and how just he's. He struggled in camp, and I, I saw some reports from some of the mo- most recent training camps that, you know, he's had, he had some nice plays, and obviously there is a confidence he needs to regain in his shoulder and just his body in general, um, and he's missed so much time that I, I think it would be unfair to expect him to kind of, like, just come out and be uh, lights out in training camp. Um, but you do, you know, you do worry a little bit, like, if he's going to pan out. I think you're starting to now – worry about Grant Delpit um, because the hamstring thing is like, you know, you miss time and then you re-aggravate it. I mean, right away. And you just, that's one of those injuries that like just suck because they just, until it's fully healed, um, you can just continue to tweak it and have setback after setback. And um, it would be, it would be a real bummer. And I feel like I feel for Grant Delpit. Like it's, uh, he is yet to play any, (laughs) any minutes at all. and, you know, who knows if he's going to play this preseason. Um, and it's just kind of like, well, that's a bummer. But even with those guys, the Browns, you know, have added, obviously, some safety depth. Um, they have a little more corner depth. Uh, and I don't think they were coming into this season being like, we're relying heavily on Greedy or Grant Delpit. But on the flip side, it is like, you know, especially with, with Delpit and, and I guess Greedy too, like they were fairly high draft picks. Obviously they weren't like a top five pick or anything like that, but like these were guys that you took in places where you eventually would like them to start and, and, you know, be anchors of your defense, especially um, Grant Delpit, who I think the Browns got value in that pick because of, you know, again, he struggled with an injury that last year at LSU and he, he wasn't exactly the same player as he was a year before where he was like, you know, I think everybody thought this is the top safety in college football at LSU. So like they, they have, they put resources into them with these draft picks. And um, so I think like, it's not, it's not going to be the end of the world by any means. Um, And they already played without greedy for a season, but you know, I think the Delpit thing bumps me out more than anything because I I do think that like he had a chance to kind of uh, not a ton of pressure on him and for him to just kind of come in and and learn this defense slowly and and play when he needs to and like it's you get to the point where you're going on to two years of not being able to play a game and we'll see we'll see what happens with this most recent tweak but like those things to me are kind of like a little bit lower risk but you do kind of like well you know the Browns need all the bodies in the secondary that they can get. Um, because you start losing enough guys and then you're playing, you get into situations like last year where you're playing guys that you're like <laughs> picking up off the practice squad and you're running out them out there in a playoff game against the Steelers. And it's like, well, this is not great. So, um, that, that to me, I would say Jake is where I'm a little bit like, man, this is, let's see how this goes. But right now it's not trending in a super great direction for those two. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's not, it's, it's, it's definitely worrisome, especially when you go back, you know, if we're talking about Jed Wills and you look at Tampa Bay's draft, who's right in front of it, right? Actually, they're, they're, they were yep. right behind. So they take, they take Tristan Wirfs, who has a fantastic rookie season. And again, uh, some, some familiarity, some things there. I'm not going to make definitive declarations on who won that pick between Jed and Tristan. He had a great year. But then also in the second round, they take Antoine Winfield right behind. And it's like Antoine mm-hmm. Winfield had a rough go of injury history in Minnesota. He comes into the league and has had none. So it's so strange that like – and I know – I know Grant Delpit dealt with a little bit of nagging injuries at LSU, but it was never anything major. So to have the Achilles, now to have the hamstring really flaring up when he's trying to come back from the Achilles, that is a guy who, if he can never really find a way on the field, is like a it's a really considerable bummer. Like that would that would be yep. one of the major things that doesn't swing that way. The other thing's Denzel Ward, who shows up with soreness a couple of days ago. Still he's just not practicing, which again, I'm fine with it. Get him to week one, but this is the guy who everybody wants the Browns to invest money in him. I do too. He's just on this four game tangent every season and they can't afford to give a guy yeah. a top dollar if he's gonna only play 70, 65, 70 percent of a season. So there's some decision to be made there and like Denzel missing half the year and having a really hard long term future is something that concerns me because like our luck is he Joe Hayden's this thing. And I'm not saying Joe Hayden had this 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 comparable start to his career, but you know, where he goes to Pittsburgh and finds this consistent injury luck and all of a sudden he figures it out on his next team. That's that's the nightmare outcome. So when I look at a guy who could really swing your defense to being great or being like, ah, oh, God, this is really happening for this player because it stinks. So it would be Denzel. Am I right on that? Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. And I think it just kind of continues this thing of like, it's such a, you are always walking such a thin line, the NFL with injuries and guys that um, with Denzel and, and with greedy, like they, they are, a bit of slender build like now cornerbacks are never going to be the biggest guys on the field but like both for Denzel who has to his credit like bulked up since he's come into the league but he's still kind of a, a slimmer guy um and has experienced um injuries and I, th- I Jake I always feel like they happen too right after like he's gone through a stretch and you're like man like he's really solidifying himself as one of the best shutdown corners in the league and then all of a sudden he's gone like you said for like three four games and you're just like man um and then, yeah, so you start going from losing bodies and then you lose, you know, Denzel, who has really been the one constant like, OK, we know how good he is when he's on the field. Whereas some of these other corners, you know, 
whether it was a guy like Terrence Mitchell or, you know, with Greedy and, and with other guys, you're just kind of like, well, like they've had flashes, they've played well in spurts, but then there's other games where they're just getting absolutely roasted and like they're just not these consistent guys. You can be like, okay, this is our number one corner in Denzel who you can always feel like that. Um, and you can point to somebody else at corner number two. Like they have just kind of over the last couple of years, really, I feel like outside of Denzel been searching for that second corner who's going to be a guy that, you know, is really going to be able to, um, if not, you know, be a shutdown guy, but be a guy that you feel comfortable playing that that second corner spot. So, um, yeah, you, you talk about like some of these injuries happening and if Denzel deals with it again and then, you know, your secondary is looking thin again. And that's just not something the Browns can kind of deal with again this season um, because you just you need everything when your corners aren't able to cover and you're playing guys that maybe are playing in, you know, more snaps than they should be. Um, then it kind of trickles down to the rest of the defense. Um, you know, guy, you're, then you're asking your pass rushers to get to the quarterback quicker. Then you're, you know, you're asking more of your linebackers and coverage and stuff because you don't feel comfortable about other guys. It just kind of spirals down um, throughout the whole defense. And, and that's just not something, even with, you know, adding a, a Troy Hill and, and John Johnson, like even with those guys in the mix, it's still just not something you want to see. And, and I definitely think Denzel is kind of the, the head of the snake there. It feels like even like as we sit here, Ronnie Harrison could be really good, get another deal. They're yep. not linked to him necessarily in the future. We know Miles is going to be fine. It's another example of Jadevian. They're not linked to him in the future if things sway completely the opposite direction, which again, injury history, some of his play in Tennessee, I see that being concerning. Not overly concerning because of the reports of camp, but that's an outcome. The position that I get worried about is linebacker a little bit. We have these hopes for Jacob Jacob Phillips, who everyone thinks is going to take this next step, is going to take this next step, but like, I just worry that that would be a guy who you have these hopes for and I know JOK ties into it too but Jacob Phillips is a player who I think you you would position him and him Jeremiah Wusukormoa to be your long-term Mike and Will and if he doesn't start to yep. show those next step with next steps which people seem to just be counting on that would be a guy who if he went in the wrong direction this year or didn't play well you'd have to start saying this could have long-term ramifications on draft picks, so on and so forth. I think it's pretty clear Denzel is the main cog that if he goes the opposite direction this year than everyone's expecting would really set everyone back a little bit. But I, I kind of hone in on Jacob Phillips because they need long-term answers for at least the next three years, right, at linebacker, and that's a position that's of interest. The D-tackle room is a year-to-year flux thing. I think I think it could go either way with Malik or Billings. I, I'm not totally sure, and I don't know if any of these young guys are going to be who we are or maybe expecting they can be. But I just kind of look at what I'm identifying here, Jordan, as players who we are starting to really get ahead of ourselves, counting on being these players who are defined and they're maybe not defined yet and those two linebackers JOK people after week one are like he's going to be great he's going to be great well what if he's not I mean that's an outcome too it's just Jacksonville it's just week one of preseason I think he's going to be good the same with Jacob Phillips I'm on the train man like I believe but if those two were to end up not being who we thought they were it starts to become a little bit more of a problem at linebacker than we want to admit yeah, and I think, you know, we of all of all fan bases should know how little preseason performance matters uh, when it comes to them getting into the regular season. There have been countless Browns teams, if you're the Browns team that went 4-0 in the preseason, like there's just, it's just such a, as as any preseason game for any sport is, there is, there's always caveats to like the play of, of certain players. I do think like with JOK, like he obviously flashed like why the Browns took him. He flashed his like, 
nose for the football and his closing speed and and that stuff that is the type of stuff that you think will be sustainable from preseason to regular season but yeah then yeah he's also playing for the most part he was playing against twos and threes and especially like in that second half I mean the guys trying to block him were um (laughs) you know to put it nicely uh nobody so it's um it's always hard to kind of try to make proclamations about certain players after the preseason because the competition is not the same, especially for younger guys who are on that second unit. Um, and yeah, I think your Jacob Phillips pick is a really good one um, alongside JOK because that's another position where they've the linebacker position where like outside of like Joe Schobert, they just haven't had a consistent and, you know, there were obviously flaws to, to Schobert and, um, and his skill set, but he, at the very least, you were going to get some consistency out of him and the things that he did well. And they just really haven't, you know, between from Mac Wilson to then, yeah, trying to figure out what Jacob Phillips is. Um, and now with Jay, okay, there, there are just going to be, you know, kind of questions about, okay, are any of these guys going to solidify themselves? And on one side, it would go a very long way. Like you said, if Jacob Phillips is just like an above average, good linebacker that can, you know, just do and play smart football for you. Um, but then on the flip side, it's like, yeah, you know, if he, comes out of the gate struggling and and you're like well you know this is kind of a revolving door here a linebacker like uh in terms of impact guys um because like who knows like mac i think mac wilson has given no indication in in the years he's been with the browns that he's going to be a good linebacker i i know that he'll have another season under his belt and like we'll see what he can give but um i think so far the returns have been pretty bad so yeah i think between that and sort of that second kind of corner spot slash like can Denzel stay healthy? Um, that back end of the defense could go from being like, oh, like, okay, like they've added some legit pieces, and um, you know that's that that's really going to solidify and make this defense. This defense could be really good uh, to something that is like, well, the the Browns' offense is going to have to put up points because they're they're going to have a tough time um, stopping people, especially when quarter, good quarterbacks are are pushing the ball down the field. And then probably your last ultimate pessimism thing is the Browns take this step back. They go to eight, nine, nine and eight, whatever. Again, I hate talking about this, but we have to. And then it's like Kevin Stefanski's this one year wonder. See, the Browns analytics stuff doesn't work consistently. They oh. just they just struck luck on the schedule. They had the third easiest schedule last year. This isn't going to work. Kevin Stefanski's and some of the stuff starts to degrade. That is feeling really, really good. You know, I had. Uh, uh, the Athletics' uh, Shio Kapata on the other day to talk about his uh, article uh, that, that was covering the 10 points of Brown's camp, and it was so good. Yep. It was so good covering all of those things. And there's such a feel-good around the whole Brown's organization. And a year that they step back, like, is their distrust that starts to filter in again from Jimmy Haslam that they can't sustain this thing or whatever. That would be the absolute and ultimate worst because we feel so good about the marriage of the front office and the coaching staff right now, you know? Honestly, Jake, like if that happened, I think I would just like I would never have optimism about the Browns again, because like after all after all of these years to finally find not only like not only the, the fact that like they they rehired Andrew Barry and, and they fired John. Like, I think that move in itself was such a unhaslam like move in terms of like who they brought in um after like John Dorsey. And, and so not only bringing Andrew Barry, but then finally sort of acquiescing to the hiring of Kevin Stefanski, which, you know, their Paul D. Podesta and team really wanted to do the year before, but uh, obviously they were, got a lot of pushback and they ended up hiring Freddie Kitchens. But like to have that and to have this, this marriage of 
of thinking for once, like people on the same page from front office to coaching staff, and then to watch Stefanski's system get implemented and work um, really well, uh, to watch Baker sort of things click for him in the second half of the season and, and just absolutely dominate a, a Pittsburgh team in the playoffs. Like, obviously a, a dream season from that standpoint. Um, but like, if that doesn't work, if like, I think we all feel like, okay, like Kevin Stefanski is really, really smart. And he seems like I, you, you do a great job on Twitter of when Stefanski has some great quotes where it just shows that like, this dude gets it. This dude says things that are just like, you know what, like he, his philosophy and his vision, I think are like really, really well put together. He knows what he wants from his football team. He has a plan and he just says things that you're like, yeah, like, I agree with that. I could see why like the Browns players will follow him. Like I, I get it. And if that were to just sort of fall apart and all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, maybe his offense wasn't that good. And maybe in a year where teams had to go through all these COVID protocols and it was just a crazy year. And this was a fluke. Like I may just give up on, on fandom altogether, Jake. I re- I really might. That one, I think that would be almost too much for me to handle. It, it would because if they played again, this is terrible to think about. But say they went ten and they go nine and eight again, which would be a solid season. Say if bad quarterback play happened, because you could think to yourself, okay, you know Baker took these steps back, and maybe he's not our guy, but we still have our coach and we still have a plan, and we can go get another quarterback and all of that. But if if the coaching aspect fell apart and we felt like everybody started to turn on Stefanski somehow, it seems so out of this world to even think about right now but if that were to happen i think you're right this would be uh that would be the worst singular outcome i think we could have this year even more so i guess him and baker one a and one b right like that would be yeah they're attached you know they're attached at the hip at this point and so yeah like if both those things sort of collapse and you're you're back to the drawing board it for the umpteenth time of the (laughs) browns uh history since 1999 yeah it would be really really discouraging and and i don't think I don't think it's going to happen in any way. Like I, I think, I mean, I've been wrong lots and lots of times before, but I, I, it does feel pretty clear that especially Stefanski like is a really, really smart guy knows what he's doing, has his staff on the same page. And there, I I can't stress enough, like how beneficial I think it's going to be for him to even just have a normal ish off season that they're having right now to like go through preseason games, to be able to practice his play calling in preseason games. Like he didn't have any of that. So like, I do think that cannot be like overstated how important an actual off season is, but you know, it's one of those things where like, okay, well does X equal Y like, okay, it should having an off season (laughs) to build upon what you just did last season um, in a year where you had nothing. Uh, you know, logic says that it should, the Browns should be even better and they've added more talent, especially defensively. So like logic points to all of this, but there is always going to be that little bit of, of Browns fandom in us from, from the trauma of the past where like you don't 100% trust it until you see it. Um, but I am probably as optimistic, even though this is the pessimistic pod, I am probably as optimistic about a Browns team as I ever have been with this team. And um but yeah, you know, there's always that little bit like, okay, yeah, are things too good to be true? Was it a one-hit wonder? And I, I, just, I don't think it is. But man, you know, we are we're Browns fans, and we're and we're used to many different outcomes. So you just you never truly know. 
You really don't. And and until they put together three, four, five seasons of consistently yep. good outputs, it'll always be there. This this podcast, which as fun as it was, was also miserable simultaneously. It is <laughs> we're talking about things that every listener to this podcast has thought about. You cannot eliminate those things from creeping into your mind because it's just the nature of twenty years of of being kicked down for so long. You need to see some years of success. So we will wash this podcast feeling out. We'll get rid of it. We just wanted to flesh through uh, sort of some of the things that uh, that could happen, and and it's okay to 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 recognize the bad side of what you think is going to be actually a really good side. So in in a torturous way, Jordan, this was fun, man, and I know the listeners. Hopefully, they're not too mad at us, and they appreciated your time. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, there's always the flip side of stuff. And we've seen it before from teams that um, look like they're poised to, I, Jake, I always think about, um, I always think about that Jaguars team uh, with Blake Bortles at quarterback, uh, but their defense with Jalen Ramsey and, and Miles Jack, and they were so, so good. And they were one, they were one game away from the Super Bowl. And, and even though like, it's not that similar because, you know, Blake Bortles, was, I think everybody was like, Hey, Blake Bortles is pretty bad. Um, and yet like, you know, the Jaguars were throwing money at him, and that thing, that thing dissolved from one game from the Super Bowl to, you know, they just had the number one pick in the draft and, and got Trevor Lawrence. Like that thing went so quick. Um, because you know, in the NFL of any sport, like stuff can just turn on a dime. And when you got to pay people and let people go, like it, that's just what happens. Um, and that, you know, uh, people may not even remember that Jaguars team at this point, uh, even though it was not that long ago, they were really, really good. They just didn't have a quarterback. Then they were paying a lot of money for him. And, um, you just, you always just have to be cautious because it, it can, um, with the salary cap and, and all that stuff, things can turn if you make some wrong decisions or certain players don't pan out, even though maybe the year previous they had a, they had a good season. So I always think about that Jaguars team as a, as a cautionary tale of like how fast a team with a lot of talent, but a, but a couple of parts that were just not quite good enough to get them over the hump and they had their one season and then it kind of, it went the opposite way real quick. So it, it's sometimes fun to talk about it just because it's like, look, like that's how crazy the sport is. It's it, like the NFL, especially it's why there's so much parody is because things can kind of come to a screeching halt. It can, and we've tortured the folks enough. So again, Jordan. Yeah, we have. Sorry. They are not the Jaguars <laughs> from that year. I didn't mean to bring Blake Bortles into this podcast, but I've done it. That w- I don't know what the odds would have been on a Blake Bortles reference <laughs> on this pod, but they weren't great. So again, yeah. bro, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking some time. Of course. Always, uh, always fun. Okay, that's a wrap for your Friday episode. Hope you guys have a great Friday. Appreciate you joining us, continuing to spread the word about this podcast and the OBR's Twitch and all the things we have going on over there. I will be back tomorrow with the Behind Enemy Lines podcast where you'll learn all about the Giants, both setting you up for the preseason game coming and their season ahead as well. I try to get you all of those insights. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.